listeners may find the following content disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Hey y'all, yins and yuns. Welcome. Welcome. We are the Appalachian Crime Trail. Oh, by the way, I'm Nikki. I'm Kirsten. This day has been a shit show, y'all. And we have a special guest, KJ, my one of my cats, one of my bajillion cats. She does have a lot of animals. Yeah. She's um, the mouthy one. Hold on. We'll see if we can capture her purr. <laughs> I hope that can be heard because it's so loud. So, Kirsten and I were on the phone earlier and I said, Hey, don't let me forget when you get here, I've got to tell you the story of the frog in my toilet. And she goes, What? And she was like, Wait, just tell me later. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> so, what happens is. I'm in a mad dash trying to clean my house this morning because Lord knows I haven't cleaned it in like two weeks. And so I'm trying to clean and I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom and do you look in your toilet before you like go to sit down to potty? I think normally it's the thing, but that's because the cats have put weird things in the toilet. Well, here's the thing. I don't ever look and Chris like chastised me for not looking. So I sit down to do my business. I get up. And I was like, okay, go to flush. And I looked down, there's a fucking toad, a little tiny toad in the toilet bowl. In the toilet bowl. Is it alive? Yes! <laughs> it was alive! How I got there, I have no idea. For a hot second, I legit thought, did I birth that thing or something? <laughs> I mean, and then I thought, no. And then I thought, well, where the fuck did it come from? It's not like it just like came in. I mean, but it was like so much lighter colored. I think it was. It's been living back in the tank of my toilet. Not this one, thank God, but like the one in my bathroom. I'm pretty sure it's been living in a tank. I live in the middle of nowhere. This is odd, even for that. Well, I mean, don't like can't snakes and don't get no, 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 I, I think I see this in Florida. Like snakes and things get in the toilet from the pipes. I don't know. I mean, I have a well, but here's what happens. So I'm like, I can't flush a little dude. I thought about flushing him for a second, and I was like, no, I've got to give him a chance to live. Because obviously he's never known a life that's been outside. He's been living in the tank of my toilet or something <laughs> this whole time. He was literally, like, no bigger, well, just a little so bit little bigger than, like, a one. quarter. Yeah, he was a little tiny, tiny thing. So I, like, fish him out with a cup, and I come walking in the living room, and I was like, uh, Chris, do you see this? And he said... Is that what I think it is? I said, yes, I'm taking it outside. So I walk back in and he's like, why did you not look before you used the bathroom? I was like, I didn't know I had to. I'm sorry. Didn't and he's like, well, don't you know there's such things as like toilet monsters? And I was like, that's not funny. He's like, what if it's a snake? I was like, that's my nightmare. It's going to happen now, I guess. I don't know. I've seen videos where like the snake is under the like, <coughs> that, I don't know what the, the, terminology for parts of the toilet is but like i just know there's a tank and a bowl well the bowl but then usually there's like a little rim and like you know you clean under there but you can't really see it and but i've seen where like a snake is like under there and <laughs> someone flushes <laughs> the toilet and then you see a snake like um, <laughs> no but i mean the poor thing probably what happened is it got stuck in the pipe so it was trying to find its only way out how did it get in the pipe i don't though? know that's chris seems to think that it was like a tadpole in the water because i have a well water I will. And it's just like, gonna have natural springs. <laughs> so it's lived its whole life thus far in the bank, like in the tank of my toilet. And then somehow he crawled down in. I don't know. And then he was lucky I found him and took him outside. 
That's such a sad So day. now he's got grass out in my front flower bed of, by in front of my house, but I was just like... Is there water sources around here anywhere? Oh, yeah. Like, this property has, like, seven natural springs Oh, on great. It. He'll be fine then. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's That's what I worried about. I was like... Oh, well, it was a toad, too. I made sure. Do they not want water? They're not as aquatic as frogs are, but they still have to have water. I don't know much. I'll tell or else you. they dry out and get crispy in the sun. I've seen it. It's tragic and terrible, so... Oh, gosh. Great. Any other new fun stuff? Kirsten was sick. <sighs> oh, yeah. I We were supposed to record last week, but then I got a sinus infection and, you know, broke me. Is like, I'll be fine. I'm not going to go to the doctor, but my mom's a nurse, and so, you know, she's always like, when it starts to go in my lungs, like, that's a concern. <laughs> yeah. You know? You know, and you might kind of keep those in shape. <laughs> I text her, and I was like, Mom... It's, like, harder to breathe. Should I go to urgent care? She was like, yes. Like, this is a stupid question. Like, Maroon 5's harder to breathe to her. Be like, Mom, it's getting harder and harder to breathe. Yeah, I was sick with a sinus infection, and then I went and got drugs um, on (laughs) Sunday last week. Prescribed medications. Prescribed medications. Um, Prescribed legal medications. um, AKA antibiotics. I'm so sick, though, of going to the doctor, and they're always giving me these giant pills. So, like, I got strep throat in April from the children. I'm better now, but I'm just waiting for the next thing to hit. All right, so today's cases are all going to be focused on the Appalachian Trail, which is hilarious Ah. that our title of the podcast is the Appalachian Crime Trail. Listen, Appalachian Trail Conservancy, Conservancy, Mm. please do not sue us for that. (laughs) We love you. We're not talking bad about the trail, I promise. So, for people that do not know... The beautiful, wonderful, glorious, scenic Appalachian Trail. Um, it is a 2,180 plus mile trail. It is a beautiful scenic trail. It's a national scenic trail that stretches from Springer Mountain in Georgia, um, which is just north of Atlanta, and goes all the way up and ends in Maine at Mount Katahdin. Many people every year, I think the class this year started out with I want to say close to 3,500 people started their hike this year. Usually only about a third of people will finish their through hike. It's tough. It's hard. It's beautiful, but it's hard. I mean, you're walking literally through mountains, okay. through everything. Weather. You're walking 2,000 plus miles. I mean, woo, come on. Like I said, it stretches from Georgia to Maine. There are many ways to do a hike of the trail. You can do a through hike. You can go northbound, which is... Georgia, the main route. Um, you can do a southbound hike, which is Maine to Georgia. But they mostly suggest northbound, right? Most of the people usually will start out northbound, but there are people that do the southbound route. And then there's also flip-floppers who will start out either in one of the two places, go half the way, and then start at the other section and just meet up oh. where they ended up or vice versa, whichever. Um, and then you can also actually do section hikes. Now to be a through hiker, quote unquote, per se, you're supposed to finish the trail within a year. But there are some people, I actually read not long ago, there was a man that finally after I think 34 years finished his hike because he did section hikes mm, just when he could. Yeah. Some of the sections are there's the Virginia Highlands, there's the 100 Mile Wilderness. The 100 Mile Wilderness, I believe, is in New York, if I'm remembering correctly. Up to like... 
close to Maine. It's up right till, the, yeah, up till you get close to Maine. The Virginia Highlands, of course, is when you go through from Damascus on up through Virginia. Um, the closest terminal to us here in southern West Virginia is down near Peterstown. There is a spot, actually, it's off from Linside. Before you get to Linside, West Virginia, there's this little road you can go up called Sugar Creek Camp Road. There is a access trail from there up. That's the closest to us. There's others around here. There's a spot in near Pembroke, Virginia in Parisburg, which Parisburg is actually quote unquote a stop on the trail kind of. It's one of the, not the greatest because it's, there's not a lot down there, but there's, I mean, there's so many great little trail towns all along the way every year in May. Yes, in May, usually like the second or third weekend in May, they do what's called trail days down in Damascus, Virginia, where it's people who have hiked or are hiking the trail. They all meet up in Damascus for trail days for that weekend. And they actually do a parade down the streets of Damascus of there's, they have like the classes. Mm -hmm. So each year that years through hikers will march along in their group and they have signs and people dress up and it's fantastic. They actually do like a through hiker prom. There is a podcast that I love called the Pox and Puss podcast. They have held in previous years. I don't think this year or the year before they were able to do the through hiker prom. They've previously held like through hiker proms where hikers will just come and like dress up in crazy stuff and they have a prom king and queen oh it's gosh. amazing i want to go just for trail days and i actually was gonna go this past year just to go down and it didn't work out schedule wise for me so some terms you'll hear me talk about and possibly kirsten too there's what's called trail angels along the trail and what that is is those are people that will literally go out and go to a stop on the trail where there's like an access to the trail Usually go out, just sit by their car or whatever and give hikers coming through food, drinks, you know, the drinks they don't usually get. Like if they want a beer, we'll give them, you know, people give them a beer. Some people will provide full on meals and whatnot. And then also those trail angels will let people, the hikers stop and camp in their yards, you know, if need be, or they have like these little areas in their property where campers can stop and they'll let them stay for a night, get a shower, all that good stuff, so that they don't have to, you know, rent a hotel room or this and that. Most of the times, just trail angels ask that you help clean up something there, or you just help in some way, you know, the time that you are there. Now, I know that we're going to be talking about trail murders um, today, unfortunately, which we don't want that to be misleading because it's not a common occurrence mm -hmm. by any means. Um, I think when I was researching the data earlier, it said since 1974, there's only been 11 actual murders that happened along the Appalachian Trail, which is 11 too many, don't get me wrong, but it's not like it's a huge number considering the amount of people that hike it each year, yeah. and that's just through hikers. There's right. people that go on the trail just to do day hikes or, you know, weekend hikes or a week hike or something. And there's no incident. So there's thousands upon thousands and thousands of people that do hike up and down on different parts of this trail every year, every day, you know, without incident. And so we don't want this to ruin anyone's want to go out and actually hike because, yeah. you know, like Kirsten said, that's our dream. That's my dream. Yeah. That's I mean, always been my dream. I've been obsessed with the Appalachian Trail for a long, long time. I think it's such an amazing natural it, not a natural resource like a just a great thing that we still are able to conserve yeah and have and like that people 
are able to go on the trail, mm -hmm. that it's taken care of and funded, mm -hmm. along with all of our national parks, honestly, yeah. and things. And I will say, too, like, the Appalachian Trail, it relies heavily on volunteers. Like, mm -hmm. there are several trail clubs in the, not in the immediate area. In Roanoke, I know there is a club that goes out and they do work on the trail and whatnot. I have a friend, and her dad actually works for the AT, doing trail maintenance and whatnot, but he gets people that'll come for a one or two week stint and they volunteer just to do trail maintenance with him and he goes all up and down the trail and works on it. Um, I believe right now he's up in northern Pennsylvania if I'm remembering correctly. So just remember that. I mean it's it's a beautiful thing but it's all like it's volunteer based big time. I know it's it's a national thing and it's a national trail but it's still mainly volunteer work so and make sure you're if you do hike the trail you're doing leave no trace you know you're exactly. practicing that yes um because that's really the way not only preserving the trail for humans but for the wildlife mm -hmm. that um live on around the trail yep. and that we don't need to be killing any animals or no. plants or no. damaging water no all that fun stuff no. so, so. But yeah, that's just a little snippet on it. So, into my case, which is kind of breaks my heart. And I literally, I might tear up a little bit about this one. Mm -hmm. Which I don't like because I fucking hate to cry. <laughs> this one kind of hit hard because... I mean, I've always kind of followed a little bit on Facebook and whatnot. People that do, or on Instagram's the big one, is where I will follow a lot of people each year, you know, find out. I like to just go through, see who, when you do a search of Appalachian Trail through hike, just see who pops up and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so I like to try to follow closely and watch people just because I kind of, I guess I want to live vicariously through their journey until I get to do it. No, I didn't get to follow this gentleman um unfortunately but i've heard whenever i mean when you have something tragic happen period on the trail i mean that's a tight-knit family hikers are they're a close group and i've met some amazing people through you know following them on that or through podcasting listening to podcasts of amazing people that have hiked or are hiking the trail but with this one it's really heartbreaking because this gentleman you know, he'd went through a lot beforehand, and he was working towards getting his life back together. But this is the case of Stronghold, who was killed just this past May on the trail. So how we start is our victim, who I'm going to talk a lot about, because that's what we do here. <laughs> we strive to We strive that. to let the victims be known, because their stories need to be heard. Our victim, unfortunately, is Ronald Sanchez Jr., he went by Stronghold. Oh, and that's another thing. Nicknames on the trail. Yeah. <laughs> so another big thing on the trail is everyone has nicknames. It's not that you necessarily give yourself a nickname. A lot of times you'll get it from just some random thing and others will give it to you. But Ronald Sanchez's nickname on the trail is Stronghold. He is from Oklahoma City. He actually was a combat engineer in the Army where he served 16 years. And in that 16 years, he did three tours of duty in Iraq. Now, because of these three tours of duty, he actually battled big time with depression and PTSD. And it actually had confined him to his home for several years. He just had a hard time getting out of the fog of it. He, you know, just... It, it's a tough journey. Depression's no joke. I mean, I've been there. I still go there. I still struggle with it. And PTSD essentially is probably the worst form of it because it envelops your whole life. I mean, I've 
seen just where I've worked in the medical field for many years, you know, the effects it can have on people. So I sympathize with him greatly. But he finally started to get through the fog of it and he started to take up hiking, bicycling, horseback riding, and the outdoors pretty much just helped to serve as an escape for him from it. I'm going to read a little bit from an article I found on the trek.com co which is a great Appalachian trail website wonderful wonderful this is a little bit about him according to his sister Brenda Sanchez Loera I apologize if I'm butchering that he was adventurous and he got out of his shell and you know they were proud of him because of that because he was in darkness essentially he was trying to put like the traumas from having three tours of duty behind him and he was actually starting to really be able to move forward and he had been so excited about this. Now it's not to say that the trek was easy for him. Um, I believe he started out very beginning of this year like maybe close to January which wow. is super early to start a through hike because he was doing a through hike. Most people will start in like March but I think he like I said he had started in like January but he did have to stop on two different occasions with the most recent being in North Carolina uh, because he had a lot of knee and shoulder issues from his time in the military oh, yeah. but when he was stopped in North Carolina this the last time he actually worked at a um, hostel called the Gooder Grove Adventure Hostel in North Carolina and he worked with a gentleman named Colin Gooder. Colin says that you know he told me he's like don't get discouraged it's hard work but you're gonna make it. You know stronghold he kept he kept up he kept his spirits up he worked at the hospital and he started back up on his track but like Gooder says, you know, he when he first started operating the hostel, he's seen a lot of veterans that will come through that are doing a through hike. Um, there are even programs, and I don't know the names of them right off, and I apologize, but there are programs that they do nothing but take, like, groups of wounded veterans on a through hike oh, wow. just so that they can have that experience to try to deal with their traumas. Mm -hmm. By all accounts, he was... I mean, he's a great person. He was a kind and gentle person. He wasn't a quinter. He would always make sure to try to keep going, to push past, and he did. He even had gotten a hold of his girlfriend, I believe it was like in April, and told her, you know, just come out. I'm going to go to Damascus and I'm going to be done. Because that's kind of like, Harper's Ferry is kind of the unofficial halfway point, right. but some consider like Damascus too. And so she had like got round trip tickets and she come out and prepared to, you know, if he wanted to go back, he was going to you know, she was going to let him, and, or not let him, but she was going to be like, okay, we got you. But she was there a couple days with him, and he said, you know what, I'm going to push through, I'm going to do it. So he left out from Damascus, I believe, on May 5th, and continued his trail trip north. So, on to the not nice person here. So James L. Jordan, who went by the name Sovereign, is a gentleman who, prior to the incident, there were issues with him. He had actually, and what's crazy is, I kind of saw this, unfold in real time but he actually had prior to this been going hiking along the trail also and he there had been different hikers that had issues with him because he was acting out kind of and he was just walking along apparently with a machete oh my gosh but then but there is an issue because i mean he was there were issues with him before this happened and the police let him go and i'm not trying to bad talk the police by any means don't think that i'm not talking shit however i know that their hands can be tied to a certain point but they i feel like there was a way they could have probably got him off the trail like so that there wasn't this issue so in april weeks before the attack actually happened 
Deputies in Unicoi County, Tennessee, had arrested Jordan after hikers there said that he had brandished a knife and chased people out of a shelter with a shovel. The state dropped assault charges against him, though, after the victims declined to postpone their hikes to appear in court. So, instead, he pleaded guilty to drug possession, public intox, and criminal impersonation and walked free on probation after paying a fine. People who encountered him on the trail, and like I said, I was following people on there who, I think it was the end of April, somebody had posted, hey, you know, there's this guy who's hiking, who's a little, you know, sketch, just kind of steer clear, you know, he doesn't seem too aggressive, but, you know, there's issues. And then I actually saw someone else who picked him up because he was hitchhiking. And they wrote up with this big, long post on their Facebook and said, hey, because it was somebody who was a trail angel or just whatever, said that they talked to him. And, you know, he was just kind of, he had a dog with him and the dog was with him in the car, too. And said he'd talk to him and the guy was like, you know, I'm just having a little tr tough time right now. I'm just really trying to work through. I don't have my meds with me and blah, blah, blah. And also, so this was Jordan saying mm -hmm. this, you know, I'm just trying to work through. And the guy like got him a hotel for the night and, you know, provide him with a meal. I was like, you know, why don't you just rest up for a few days and blah, blah, blah. Said he seemed, you know, halfway normal. He was a little strange, but he, who isn't? Backtracking back to where I was. But yeah, several that had encountered him said he was, you know, often erratic and pretty aggressive. One couple who met him in April even said that he threatened to lip, rip his dog's legs off and eat them, like his own dogs. Oh my God. Um, and told the other hikers that he was off his medicines. I'm, I'm just going to say this. If a doctor prescribes you medicine, you should continue to take it. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and talk to your doctor if you're feeling weird. Just yeah. want to put that out there. Yeah. Sorry. That just, no, when no, people I mean, like, I, I understand there are lots of underlying issues. Oh, that, yeah. But like, and, his, and I don't think... And I'll get into it a little bit more in a little bit. I don't, I never really got a clear answer of what is going on with him. I don't know if he, I don't want to speculate on anything, but I don't know right. what kind of mental illness he has going on because obviously he's got something going on. Yeah. And that's not to like be like, oh, you know, poor him. By any means, no, because you don't, even if you're off your medications, that doesn't give you the right to kill somebody. But I mean, he obviously has a lot of anger and whatever's wrong with them. But of course, mental illness alone is enough to condone what you did. So on May 10th, 2019, Jordan was acting disturbed. And this is like report I found like an actual, like, I guess the, um, it said Jordan was acting disturbed and unstable as he approached four hikers and was playing his guitar and singing. He had a guitar on the trail? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> So later that night, uh, the charging document said Jordan approached the hikers again after they had made camp in Wythe County, which is not far from here, mm -hmm. and threatened to pour gasoline on their tents and burn them to death. Oh, wonderful. Um, according to the affidavit, the hikers, fearing for their safety, began packing up to flee the scene. After two of the hikers ran away, Jordan attacked the remaining two with what one of them described as a machete. One of the victims, a woman, played dead and later managed to flee the scene and caught up with the other two hikers. The three of the remaining, the two that had fled and then the one that had been injured, they hiked uh, six miles into Smith County, Virginia, where they called authorities early um, on Saturday morning because it happened on a Friday. And authorities took Jordan into custody and found the other victim dead. How injured was the other I just think in hiking six miles. Um, she, because I think it's a female, if I remember correctly, because he was actually, because you get trail buddies along the way right. that you'll hike with and stuff. So I think Stronghold had found somebody that he was hiking with, and they were hiking about the same pace. There was someone who, there was somebody who'd actually just hiked with him 
a few days beforehand. Mm -hmm. And he, Stronghold was only going about 15 miles a day because of his injuries. And then the other gentleman was hiking about 22 to 23. So I guess Stronghold had found somebody else that was hiking about his pace. And so they were just hiking together. Like I said, Jordan was arrested. He was charged. But, because there's a but, he went before a judge. He was found not competent to stay in trial. After reviewing a psychological, a psychiatric report, complete, the judge ruled um, that had been completed by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, he was to be transported to a federal facility to be restored to competency. So it's at a standstill right now. Uh, but just a little bit more about Stronghold too. I mean, because we don't have a complete end to this right now, um, unfortunately. We'll hopefully have one here, you know, in the next however long. But a little bit more about Stronghold because, you know, we do want to talk about him some more. He had um, actually started into his journey of the outdoors through a program through the VA center where he lived. And it helped get veterans out to where they could. It's pretty much part of like a whole health type of thing. Mm-hmm. Where they try different factors to, where they try different factors to try to treat soldiers that come back with PTSD and depression they do. You know, like, they'll try, like, acupuncture and meditation Mm -hmm. and outdoor therapy and different things. So, he had actually gotten into hiking through this program and then thus got him to start his trail hike. But I know that there are several people that are continuing on with, I can't remember what it is. They have some, like, possession of his that they're carrying along the way so that he can finish his hike. So, (laughs) that's where I want to (laughs) cry. But they're doing it so that he gets to finish his hike, which I think is beautiful. And it speaks so much about the trail community. Yeah. Because, like I said before, this isn't something that, you know, this is tragic that it happened on the trail. And any kind of incident like this is tragic. But, you know, to know that this group of people that can come together and, you know, work together towards completing something in someone's memory, I mean, I think it's beautiful. But, yeah. So that's Stronghold, and I hope that everybody remembers him, and yeah. Well, I hope they get justice. Yeah, everybody. hopefully. I don't, I couldn't find, like, when his next court date is. I think they're just kind of waiting for him to, I guess, stabilize out mentally. Probably, yeah. Uh, to see where they can go, um, because obviously they said he couldn't stand trial. I think once they have that figured out, and I've been trying to follow it kind of close just to know what's going on with it and stuff, um, but... So hopefully we'll have an answer and hopefully something will happen because of this. We should go keep from there. Yeah, updated. I'll keep tabs on that. And yeah. like I said, I've been trying to follow it and stuff. That was the most recent thing I found was where they found him not competent to stay in trial. So our justice system yeah. takes a long time. Oh girl, you ain't telling me. Oh, just, wait, just wait till my case. Yeah. I'm gonna be. Oh, you're yeah. gonna be mad. Oh. Um. <laughs> in May of 1981. So it's an older case. This is about the murder of Susan Ramsey and Mm -hmm. Robert Mountford Jr. um, along the Appalachian Trail. So a little bit about the victims. I found out a little bit of information on Susan Ramsey via Find a Grave, which if you are a genealogy nut like I am, (laughs) you will love Find a Grave because it tells you where people are buried and sometimes it lists their obituaries, which can be really helpful. 
I love it. Susan was actually Laura Susan Ramsey, but Ooh. she, her nickname uh, was Susu, I guess, S-U-S-U. Um, I'm assuming that was like a, a family nickname. She was born in Michigan on May 27th, 1954. She's the daughter of Virginia and Bayard, B-A-Y-A-R-D? Yeah, Baird. Baird. Uh-huh. Ramsey. I couldn't find... It listed just on Find a Grave. It just listed kind of, like, the details of her murder, which is really mm-hmm. unfortunate. So, like, I couldn't find if she, like, had any siblings or anything. But uh, she and Robert Mountford were social workers in mm-hmm. Ellsworth, Maine. And Susan was hiking the trail for a two-week vacation. <laughs> Robert... Mountford Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, was doing the full trail and started in Georgia. He uh, was an experienced rock climber and a former wrestler. They were, oh, my kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were both 27 uh, when they were murdered. And like I said before, he was also a social worker, which is where they met. And I read somewhere, and I'm not sure exactly how they were trying to do this, because mm-hmm. that was not described, but that... The trip was to raise money, so they worked with mentally challenged children in Maine, and the trip was supposed to be to raise money for that, so I'm not sure if, like, people were sponsoring them, or if they were doing Look, stuff Can I just say trail. right now, like, this dude that killed them, I hope he burns, like, 700,000 million times in hell, just because they were mani- raising money for million Yeah. Well, he's, he's dead now. Good. So, Good. Um, <laughs> well, he's, he's a piece of work. Um... <laughs> So, so like I said, Susan was um, doing just a two-week hike of the trail. So she was meeting Robert, mm-hmm. who had already been hiking. Where they were murdered, she was actually only 13 miles from the end of her trip. She was going oh, back no. to Maine to celebrate her birthday with her parents. Oh, no. I actually found uh, an article from the Washington Post that was written in 1981 after they had found their bodies. So it was pretty descriptive of the crime and like everything that had happened. So they were found at the Wapiti, I'm going to, W-A-P-I-T-I shelter on the AT. Sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of the shelters on the AT um, in Giles County. Is it Giles? Giles. Yeah. (laughs) In Giles County, Virginia. I said that and then I was like, that's not right. So they were found near the Wapiti shelter on the AT in Giles County, Virginia, which along the Dismal Creek. Lovely name for a creek. <laughs> they had went missing, and there had actually been, in this article, they talked about multiple reports of, like, people that had seen them before and, like, were in the shelter because they weren't found for, like, two weeks. Their bodies were right near there, and people were just, you know, in the shelter. And, like, in the details of the crime, like, there had been blood in the shelter, and they could see where there were, like, uh, ash marks trying oh, to cover up the no. blood. But, like, they didn't know what that was, what it was. Um, especially back then, you know, like, it's 1981, people weren't... It's like, forensic? What's that? (laughs) Yeah. They found their bodies two weeks later, um, in shallow leaf-covered graves. Uh, Robert had been shot three times in the head with a .22 rimfire. Susan had defensive injuries on her hands. She had been struck in the head with, um, something made out of iron. She had 13 puncture wounds from a long nail, um, in her chest. And um, also had wounds from a knife. And they think she was sexually assaulted, but at that point they couldn't tell because it had been two weeks. The bodies had already started. Susu 
fought tooth and nail. Hell yeah. yeah. So she was actually found in the sleeping bag liner and had a plastic garbage bag over her head. And Robert was found in his sleeping bag. Um, they were both in these shallow graves. Um, they are found by cadaver dogs. And in the article, it did mention that, like, her sleeping bag and, like, her camera and some of their other belongings were missing. They later found uh, Randall Lee Smith was the man who killed them. He pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree murder and was sentenced to 30 years. Sorry, what? Pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree murder and was sentenced to 15 years for each murder. Can we just... I know. That's what I told you. Oh I was like, God. oh, just wait. It gets better. Um, <laughs> it gets <worse>. So <laughs> then he was released in 1996. So I'm only sorry, 15 what? years later on mandatory parole. Like they were mandatorily had to release him, which I didn't research Why? and I'm confused. What? So anyway, yes. Can we just, can we just say right now, murderers yes. need harsher sentences. In this original article from 1981, this is from... The Roanoke Times. Oh, sorry. It's not the Washington Post. I lied. It was the Roanoke Times. And I'm quoting from this. It says, Central to the prosecution's case, however, was a rambling note found stuffed in the ashtray of Smith's pickup. So Randall Lee Smith. Um, he drove the truck to Myrtle Beach a week after the murders and abandoned it. This is what the note said. This boy and girl have been so nice to me. It is going to be a real shame when the time comes to get rid of them. And oh. then it ended with, I will be far away before truck and those people are found. And he was arrested in Myrtle Beach. Oh my god. But, okay. So, so he was plotting this shit out. Well, okay, so remember the note. Because <laughs> then, and I, I don't want to talk about him, but I, I just want to point this out because we, like, talk about cold cases. So he was released in 1996 on mandatory parole. His parole ended in the 2000s. Like, he had, like, an ankle bracelet and all that stuff. So in May oh, 2008, yeah. he was arrested for the attempted murder of two fishermen Pretty close to where his first murder wait, happened. Wait, wait, wait. Is this the guy? Oh, those are the two guys that, like, that is, they, sorry. What? <laughs> okay. No. Okay. So those two gentlemen that were fishing. Yeah. Off the AT. That's in Parisburg that I was talking about. I have Parisburg uh, in, yes. in our next episode cases. Yeah. <gasps> um, so, yes. Both men were shot twice, but they survived. Yes. So he had tried to, uh, Smith, Randall Lee Smith, had tried to escape in the victim's truck, crashed, and died four days later in jail due to, it, I read injuries, and then I read due to a blood clot, so I'm assuming the blood clot had something to do with the injuries. Yeah. But my thing Karen is, actually covered that story on My Favorite Murder because it's an episode of I Survived. I know, then I saw that! It was, like, suggested, <laughs> I survived Randall Lee Smith! Yes. So anyway, if, um, if you haven't Sorry, figured I mean, out... Like, ruin it for no, you there. I don't <laughs> think I that, like, oh um, I don't think we've really said that we're like, I'm obsessed with my favorite murder. Um, um by the way, we're but, obsessed. Uh, Karen Kilgariff does a lot of I Survive stories, which now I watch I Survived on YouTube all the time. But yeah, yeah it suggested, um, it just said I Survived Randomly Smith yeah. and when I was searching, um, this article. But my thing is, okay, so I read you that letter, right? Yeah. So we go from 1981 to where he obviously knew that he was, because yeah. they had seen him with yeah. the couple, which is what led to them realizing that this was the guy yeah. who did it, to 2008. I really don't think that this guy just suddenly decided again to murder. No, like, he didn't. I, maybe I'm it. speculating here. I mean, he's dead, so, right? I don't know. But, like, it's <laughs> <Thank> just. <God. laughs> but it's that kind of deal, idea of, like, people that murder, especially with that, like, weird premeditated letter thing. Yeah. And then, like, 
because he befriended the, this uh, the fisherman too. Yeah, like they oh, were yeah. doing dinner and everything, oh, and so yeah. that just makes me think. He knew what are he there, was doing. <laughs> are there other murders out there that this guy might be linked to? Like I don't. It just makes me See, think. Whenever, like whenever um, they were covering it on my favorite murder, though, she didn't mention anything about that he had killed somebody beforehand, did she? Probably because they don't talk about it. They just talk about the I survive part. They don't oh really mention God. that always. Somebody on needs there. to email. <laughs> Email Karen Hilgar and let her know, by the way. <laughs> Homeboy killed somebody um, before this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is the unfortunate murder of oh Susan Ramsey God. and Robert Mountford Jr. And I mean God, that just breaks my heart that it, she was thirteen miles I know it, that She you know, she was just going home because she was born in May and that's what she was doing and she just planned to do it for two weeks and I just I just don't comprehend, like, people and why they're so I hate awful. people. Um, but I also wanted to say, I got Roanoke's Times, I, uh, the Bluefield Daily Telegraph um, was helpful in this as well. Wikipedia. Although I God hate... God Wikipedia. Can we, can we talk about the fact, because we're talking about, vic- like, talking about the victims, yeah. that there's a Wikipedia article on Randall Lee Smith, but there's not about these victims. Oh, and a no. lot of times there is about the mm-hmm. victims too. And I think that that's very important, but there's not about them just that about sucks. him. And there's not much on him, but like, it's just the idea that like, that's what pops up. Like when I searched yeah. her name, the find a grave thing popped up and then a lot of things about the murder. But when I searched Robert Mountford, there was no like obituary, Nothing. anything that popped up when I just did initial search. But what does pop up is Randall Lee Smith. And it's that idea of like, and I also, because this is from um because we're we are recording two episodes today because <laughs> we classy <laughs> yes on one of the facebook pages mm-hmm. uh for the case i was researching mm-hmm. a guy shared an article and the title was true crime entertainment disrespects victims and their families and it needs to stop and i think it is important to realize like that it is interesting and also from, like, a behavioral analysis thing and, like, profiling that, yeah, we do need to understand, like, the criminals. But, like, these are real people that, like, have lost their lives. Mm-hmm. We should talk about them, you know, in a, in a, I don't know, not a flashy way. No, and, like to where they're remembered. Right. You know? Are you talking about victims, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like with Stronghold. Like, I just, I want people to know who he was because, I mean... Like I said, it feels like it hits almost a little closer, even though it's just, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of vicariously living through others that are hiking, but it's, your heart still breaks because, you know, with Stronghold, he'd went through, he served his country and he went through a great hardship because of it, you know, and he was trying to find himself and he was finding himself again and able to like enjoy his life again. And then it was taken from him. So you want to get them known. You want the ones that were affected who were killed or whatever to be known not the monsters that did it to him well and i mean the fact that like in this case the guy that murdered susan ramsey and robert mountford which i'm gonna say their names instead of his but like he only served 15 years and then got to live another he was released in 96 and at 20 20 he got to live that's not right (laughs) eight years Whatever. I can't <laughs> he got to live. But he got to live like another eight years out of prison and like yeah. have a life. And he, I mean, it's He just, got to live. Period. Yeah. <laughs> and he took two lives. I yeah. mean, and then. And almost two more. Uh, that we know of. And it's, it just frustrates me researching these stories. And I, like, I love true crime so much. And oh I know that God. sounds weird to say, but like, I, I think it's so interesting. But at the same time, it's, you know, I. 
I hate that these people have to go through these horrible things. And oh, gosh, yeah. That we lose great people who were just trying to raise money for kids. I know, right? Like, that just... I don't know. Dang anyway, it. that's the murder of Susan Ramsey and Robert Mountford Jr. Now cheer up, because KJ's on her belt back. <laughs> like, you need to, like, love on her. She's like, I'm her on the Oh, my week's um, cold case we have the case of Scott Lilly. Scott Lilly was a young man who was doing a through hike on the AT on Friday August 12 2011. He had actually been missing for reported missing for about a week or mm. two beforehand um, but on Friday August 12 2011 a group of hikers happened upon a grizzly site um, it was a young man murdered and lying in a shallow grave near the Cal Camp Gap in the Mount Pleasant Special Management Area, which is part of the George Washington National Forest. It was immediately reported, and law enforcement swooped in and began their work. Because the crime had been committed on federal land, the Federal Bureau of Investigation assumed control of the investigation. Uh, the young man that was killed was Scott Lilly 30 of South Bend, Indiana. And despite the efforts of the federal agents, the Amherst County Sheriff's Office, Virginia State Police, and U.S. Forest Service no evidence turned up that would bring Lily's killer or killers to justice. And then years later, no one has still been held accountable for it. Do they do, they do an autopsy? Like, what happened to them? Yep, and I will get to that. Okay. So, who is Scott Lilly? Not much is known about him um, before his tragic death along the Appalachian Trail. Only two people ever spoke out on his behalf. His sister, Allison Lilly, and his childhood minister, Craig Clapper. One of Lilly's passions was Civil War history. So that hits close with me. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought the Civil War buff to Virginia and to hike the trail. No surprise then that Lily went by the nom, the name Stonewall, which that's semi-problematic. And of course that was for anybody that's not really into like history or Civil War history. It's a nod to Thomas Stonewall Jackson, who was a Confederate um, commander in the, uh, he was a commander in the Confederate Army during the Civil War. And, by the way, Stonewall Jackson died as a result of friendly fire. <laughs> in 1863. <laughs> in Clarksburg, West Virginia. Our friendly fire. Friendly fire at that. Which is, his own people right. accidentally shot him. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, ooh. Yeah. Shows you how inept the South was during the Civil War. Anyways. <laughs> both uh, Clapper and Allison, his sister, said that Scott had embarked um, on his... Appalachian journey is a path of self-discovery and finding himself. So what he was doing as he was going, he was, of course, traveling the Appalachian Trail, but then as he was going, he was, you know, checking out, like, the Civil War battlefields right. and sites and all that stuff. So he just, he really loved history. Um, he was excited about doing this, and he, you know, he was doing his own. So on June 15th, 2011 is when he set out, yeah, he set out. On June 15, 2011, southbound for Springer Mountain in Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't make it to his goal, unfortunately. Um, so what happened was the Mount Pleasant Special Management Area is located in Amherst County, Virginia, which is north... That's not right. US, it says north U.S. Route 60, 60 runs east-west. So right. it was 
East Route 60. Oh, wait, no. North of U.S. Route 60. God, oh my God. <laughs> and it was east of the Blue Ridge Parkway. I can't talk or think. The area where he was found, the Cal Camp Gap, is several miles from the Wiggins Spring Road, which the trail crosses. He actually began in Maryland, so mm-hmm. he was doing probably a flip-flop. Mm-hmm. The last time anyone had seen or heard from him was around the end of July. Um, when he had climbed the Priests, which is one of the higher mountains along the trail. In the southern part of the trail, it's one of the higher mountains. And that mountain is located in Nelson County, Virginia. And the Appalachian Trail, of course, crosses it. Sometime may have passed from Lily's death and his discovery. And he was only just a little bit away from the cow, cow head gap. It didn't really attract much attention, I guess, because I think he kept pretty much to himself on the trail. Right. So he didn't really know too many people. And then it wasn't until a few months after his death that they finally released, the uh, chief medical examiner released his cause of death. Um, and he died as a result of asphy- asphyxiation by suffocation. Mm. He had a really big backpack and supplies that he carried with him. Um, but it says Lily's blue or purple backpack, his Ozark trail hiking shoes, and other gear were never recovered. Um, so whoever killed him took off with all his gear, although it was never said that whether or not robbery was a motive in the attack. But, um, if you have any info on this case, because like I said, this happened in 2011 and they still don't have like any leads. And I think unfortunately a large part of that, um, might be because he kept more to himself, which I don't blame him, you know, hike your own hike, you're going to do your thing. Um, but hopefully, you know, with us bringing it back up, somebody who may come across this or know somebody that was hiking around the same time, around the same area, maybe they saw something. If you have any leads or anything, um, you're urged to contact the FBI's Richmond office at 804-261-1044. And again, that's 804-261-1044 with any leads on the Lily case, Scott Lily's case. I know his family, of course, would want to know what happened. Yeah. Um, maybe not what happened, but they want to be able to have closure on this. And what site were you reading that? That was from... Yeah, that would be good, so I can give kudos to that. It is a WordPress site um, called Appalachian Trail Trials and Tragedy. And that story that I just wrote to you was actually from December 26, 2014. That was the most recent thing I've found on him. But like I said, hopefully, fingers crossed, working it around, and we can get some stuff going. So, so we're gonna try a new thing, and then another new thing, and then maybe another new thing. Yeah. <laughs> we the first thing that we should do is to, you know, everyone. A lot of people that do true crime podcasts try to do some kind of like thing to distract. Error, because dear lord, we need a fucking pick me up. Yeah, you know, like a pick me up. Yeah, and so um, we were talking today, and I, you know, I mentioned to Nikki that a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, I found from listening to other podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't have to be a true crime podcast, no, but do you, mine definitely aren't. I was gonna say, do you have a podcast recommendation? I have two for you. Okay. Speaking of BAT, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, I highly suggest that if you like the Appalachian Trail and you like poop stories, you should. <laughs> <laughs> Pooping the Appalachian Trail. No, I'm just kidding. 
You should check out the Pox and Puss podcast. It is fantastic. It is this duo. They've each hiked um, the AT, and they don't really talk specifically about it. They get around to talking about the Appalachian Trail in a roundabout mm-hmm. way and stuff, but they just talk about like stuff that interests them, and then it, they kind of link it back into their time on the trail, or if they have a funny story about their time on the trail or a memory or something. But it's, I mean, they have had me, they haven't recorded for quite a while, just life. I mean, life gets in the way, and they haven't recorded for a while. I look forward to when they do have another episode come out, um, but they have a great back catalog of many episodes that you Wonderful. can listen to. Um, they even got to interview Burt Kreischer, who's a comedian at one point on there, and that I highly recommend if you're going to start out with a, a an episode of theirs, do the episode where they... Um, it was actually Pox is the only one who um, had interviewed him because puss was sick i believe that time Mm -hmm. but that's a good starting point um it's hilarious it's funny you get to hear burt kreischer you know in all his stand-up insane buffoonery glory talk about some stuff that interests him um another episode that they did i would recommend is hold on let me look them up real quick before i forget any of their trail days episodes their trail day ones are hilarious because they've actually went and you know recorded stuff from trail days and whatnot um oh baltimore jack baltimore jack stories there you go when pox uh interviewed baltimore jack that's another great starting point for that like i said they're fantastic. Oh, and they're called Pox and Puss because that's their trail names. I was going to wonder if you mentioned Pox that. It's Pox Holiday. <laughs> They'll tell you their stories once you listen to them, but it's Pox Holiday is the dude. Puss and Boots is the gal. You don't know who they actually are, and that's fine. Keep it that way. It's fantastic, and it leaves a mystery, and Pox has even said, you know, he comes from a time when you didn't know your radio personalities and whatnot, and so it leaves an air of mystery mm-hmm. about them, which I think is fantastic. Uh, my other fave is King Falls AM. King Falls AM. I cannot stress it enough. Like, it's this crazy small town in the middle of nowhere, and it's fictionalized, and it's just, it's craziness. It's like, you got werewolf. Think True Blood comedy podcast. If you ever liked watching the show True Blood that was on HBO, and it's all crazy vampire, southern gospel. Southern vampire craziness. <laughs> Think of that, but in a podcast comedy form. It's fantastic. Huh. I cannot get enough of it. I cannot stress enough. It's just wonderful. Love it. Listen to the beginning from the beginning because it's fantastic. Those are my two escapes from the true crime world for sure. That's great. <laughs> I love it. And you, my dear? Um, so I will admit that most of the podcasts I listen to are either true crime, news, or weird shit related. Mm-hmm. But this one's not true crime, but it's still weird stuff. Two girls, one ghost. <gasps> yes! I love them. Yes. I'm pretty sure I found them because my favorite murder, I don't know if they still do this, but they would upload their podcast to YouTube. Uh-huh. And I don't remember if that, something was weird with like my phones. I don't know. Anyway, and so I was listening to them via YouTube. And I was looking through the comments, and I think it was them, or someone suggested, like, two girls, one ghost, like, we love Mm -hmm. you. And I was like, what is 
this because you know there's that thing the the two girls one cup right is that what it is yeah oh god (laughs) but so then i was like that's a funny play that's hilarious so it's a paranormal podcast um it's a similar format to my favorite murder actually um but one of the girls on there like grew up in like a haunted house not in a haunted house but like a house that is haunted and they talk about like weird paranormal stuff and i don't know like whether or not you believe and ghosts or spirits or weird shit they're just fun to listen to i'm really bad i'll get like a really big podcast binge and listen to every episode of everything mm-hmm. you know but i try to listen to them as much as i can um but they're really fun highly suggest them if you like paranormal stuff i'm only going to request one so i can save some other ones for <laughs> the <laughs> I'm next time to get those two out there um no that's great i was gonna say i have a lot of stuff i listen to on oh, here gosh. Cool. So the next thing that we want to do, because we want to start like a segment about talking about Appalachian stereotypes and, you know, I will say, and Nikki will agree with me on this, some Appalachian stereotypes are true for a reason, (laughs) but we want to talk about them. My family. Yeah. (laughs) Oh gosh. But, you know, talking about Appalachian stereotypes. So we would love, especially those that are from outside of Appalachia, if you're listening, if we have any listeners from outside of Appalachia, (laughs) to send us like Appalachian stereotypes, good or bad, whatever you've heard, whether or not you believe them, maybe you just want us to talk about them. You can send it to our email or through Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook. And we'll start trying to maybe pick one each week and talk about it. I think it's a good way to talk about things. Also, I love hearing what people think about people from Appalachia. I know, right? It like, gets interesting sometimes. Yeah, I, you know, the whole no shoes thing is the whole, you know, traditional thing. And that's also like a Kentucky thing. But, um, Girl, I walk around barefoot all the time. I, well, so. that's the thing. is like, I do, but I also wear shoes to the store. Well, yes. Like, um, but, yeah, so that's what we're... <laughs> trying to do send us any case recommendations that are yes. from Appalachia that you would like us to maybe look into we'll and see. it doesn't have to be murder it can be just like some yeah. kind of crazy crime thing oh gosh there's so many crazy yeah. crime things that happen in oh God. this world <laughs> yeah send all that to our socials follow us um, subscribe just you know so we get an idea of how many people are out there listening more than yeah. anything and and we want to hear from you yeah we want to th- know we like we're friendly people. We like to get to know people. <laughs> when I leave I mean, my just house. just not too personal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I leave them. When I leave my house. When I leave my house. Um, anything else? I think that's it. Okay. 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 Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Appalachian Crime Trail podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe and download new episodes. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our email is AppalachianCrimeTrail at gmail.com.